Welcome back, listeners, to episode 242 of the FPL Surgery Podcast. We're recording. It's Wednesday, the 9th of March, 2022. We're at the halfway point of game week 28, double game week 28. Most of the fixtures for the double game week, um, well, all of the fixtures are tomorrow, so on the Thursday. But we thought it's best to do a pod now, um, get one out so you've all got plenty of time to listen. And we've got a very familiar voice um, on the pod today. You may know him as FPL Diagnosis or may just know him as Alan. Um, Hi there, Alan. How's it going? Hey, Rich. How are you doing? I'm doing doing well, thanks. Yeah, good. No, it's it's great having you on again. I always recognise your voice, and I'm sure the listeners were obviously from from most of last season as well. Are you still um, looking at the stats every week? Uh, I try to. Uh, I became a father of two uh, in the autumn, so I've had a bit less time. But yeah, I tried to... uh, check it out a bit uh, at least uh, once weekly yeah i mean how's your how's your season been going to date i mean obviously it's been a very unusual season <laughs> yeah it, it has been and i think uh planners are at an advantage and well some people say you just go with the flow i've always been a planner and um the way the twists and turns have been it's been difficult to keep up because I usually like to set up like a six game week transfer plan and have it all set up and then I can relax. Uh, but this is like so, so much new info, so many fixture changes. And I've uh, honestly, I've had time to, I've had difficulty keeping up really. So I'm, I'm ranked 200k, I think now, um, which is not where I wanted to be, but you know, I'm trucking along. You're doing yourself an injustice there. You're actually 179k, so you, you're oh, okay. underselling it there. But um, no, you're right. It's been it's been a really weird season. Even just doing the pod and trying to plan the pod is like you say you want to be able to plan, but there's no time between game weeks. So even like a game week like this one, we're having to record tonight on a, on a Wednesday because the games don't end till late on a Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> then there's another game week on Saturday. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, I, I there's like no room to think as you constantly have to um, adapt to new information. Someone is injured. Someone just completely turns out to be playing in a new position and they're, they're either now they're either totally crap or they're awesome now. So, and, and there's like no time to think and you end up doing things on instinct and you don't really have time to, I don't really have time to like think things through and stuff like that. I guess sometimes it can work in your benefit not having much time to think but rarely I mean most people want to spend time thinking and I mean even just looking at next week you know game week 29 it's again it's a double game week but it ends on the Thursday and the next deadline is less than 24 hours later (laughs) and that's obviously a blank blank game week but then I think we just need to get to game week 30 the blank then there's an international break we might have a bit of time to breathe because um, it feels like it's all been leading up to this game week 30 blank um, in, the, in the last few weeks. Yeah. And it's like for me, that's like a classic mistake. I like always plan for the blank. It's like this huge, dark cloud hanging over me. that like you need to have nine, ten players for the blank. You need to have the, all these players for the blank. Who's the key player for the blank? And you end up going for these players who you know are going to play in the blank. And they're like. They're not the players you want right now, but they're like decent options. So that's the constant issue with the, the the blank that you know is coming. No, it's very, very true. And I mean, like Wolves have been an obvious one. They've been quite, you know, key ones we want to get because they play in 30 against Leeds. They've obviously had some decent fixtures up till then. Yeah. So some people bought in Vardy and he's now injured because he looked like probably the key differential for game week 30 yeah. um, at home to Brentford. 
and I guess people who planned a little bit further ahead for something like that, you know, being punished. Um, yeah, it's always difficult when you plan transfers and bring in a player that you know is that injury prone. It's like you're, you're immediate, immediately, the risk of that transfer immediately increases, I think, by uh, miles. I guess you think about that a lot as well, obviously being a doctor. Uh, maybe you think, do you think about like the, the injury side of things with, with the players you pick? I, I do. And I don't. Some people I've been lucky with. I'm going against my instincts. Like uh, last season with Danny Ings, I got on him early uh, because. But then he had immediately good fixtures. I always carry that risk of a possible injury in my head when uh, when I'm planning for a guy that I know that I don't want uh, that I want to keep long term and that I need to keep him long term. That could be easily be two transfers, just getting them in and getting them out again. I guess at least you've got the advantage. You know, if we get some information on the injury, you might know, you know, more than most um, about the injury. Obviously, I guess depending on how much information is released by by the club themselves. Um, I guess we we're, we will have a couple of injuries to talk about later on. Um, sh- should we start before we go into our game week? Um, do you want to go through a stats roundup for what's gone off the game week so far? So this is the first half of the double. It's not included in the last four games. No, but it, it, it's like, it would be like a classic one game week uh, sort of roundup, I guess. And that's cool. I can do like uh, right on the bounce, just try and uh, find some interesting uh, numbers from the game week. I could easily do that. Yeah. Yeah, no, that would be really good. That'd be really good. So let's see here. If we look at the game week here, some interesting things I thought. If you guys remember it, first game of the game week was Leicester City facing Leeds United at home with their new coach, uh, Jesse Marsh. And uh, if you saw the game, you know you might have had uh, Rafinha captain. And uh, yeah, the data proves it. Leicester should have gotten something from that one. The, the score was 1-0 Leicester. XG says it was 0.5 Leicester to Leeds United's 1.9. And 1.0 of that is actually Rafinha. And uh, he's this week's uh, biggest underperformer. He had four shots, uh, one on target. The one on target was like that point blank save. I think that was an XG of about, yeah, close to 1.8 or something. So that's like uh, the big deal of that game. Burnley, Chelsea, a lot of people got that amazing Reese James Hall. And that finished 4-0 to Chelsea. Probably Burnley should have gotten something away from that. That those clean sheets that everybody has in their teams right now, they got an XG of 0.8, which is pretty good, and could easily have had a goal if you watched that game. Uh, Chelsea's XG was 2.1, which is you know a bit of an old performance, but rarely it is you find that when score lines get that high up that XG follows along to that extent. And um, looking at some other games. Aston Villa put up 2.9 xG against Southampton in their 4-0 win. So that's 4-0 win. So that's pretty good actually. And uh, a theme of these uh, past game weeks, I think, has been that Wolves have has really uh, overperformed their uh, defensive data, and uh, their game against Crystal Palace sort of like hit that home. Some defensive variants coming back to bite them. They only produced 0.6. XG against Crystal Palace, who got 2.6 XG in their 2-0 win. So attacking-wise, we knew Wolves weren't that amazing. 
defensive wise they're like mid table and crystal palace are a pretty good team they produce solid data all over the all this all of this season but i don't think we're looking at these crystal palace players right now with the fixtures the way they are and um, looking at the liverpool game against west ham some people had mo salah captain despite uh, his single game week i don't think a lot of people did uh, they got 2.5 xg but only scored once so they were a bit unlucky but uh, that alexander arnold hole that a lot of people are happy about also may be a bit lucky as west ham put up 1.5 xg uh, looking at some sunday games watford put up 1.4 xg arsenal also put up 1.4 xg that's one of those where i think you'd need to watch the game to f- get the feel for it uh, arsenal beat watford 3-2, if you remember, some excellent goals being scored in that game. I think none of the goals were actually high XG. They're all beautiful, which is seldom something that gives you high XG. And my eyes tell me that Arsenal were the better team. XG won't tell you that. Some of the most expected results, I think, was Manchester City beating uh, Man United. Maybe not 4-1, but that they would win both the game and the XG battle. I think that was pretty clear 2.7 xg to manchester united's 0.5 xg that's not very good in that game i think i think manchester city put up the most chances of the entire game week in that one game now 16 chances created that's second to liverpool's 17 this game week and they had by far the most shots 24 shots and 10 on target that is like the second most shots, actually Norwich, 15, to, uh, and with seven on target. So if you compare that to maybe like Tottenham's 5-0 win, Tottenham actually had only had 14 shots and seven on target. So that's like 10 more shots in total in a game which is a derby, should be competitive, you know. So not surprisingly, Riyad Mahrez, eight shots. That's huge. I mean, you don't re- you hardly ever get to see that that like volume of shots from a winger four of those were on target second most shots also man city player kevin de bruyne six with four on target salah uh, is in third also six shots but only three of his shots were on target you can look at a player that i wouldn't expect find to find in this in this shots column that's mateta jean-pierre mateta jean-paul mateta he's not you know you're not going to buy him uh, but he had five shots and three on target. He produced uh, the highest amount of XG this, this weekend with 1.68. Now, actually, uh, Tony had more, but that's two penalties. Tony's non-penalty XG is actually only 0.2. So if you want to buy uh, Tony for maybe gaming 30, you're going to have to count on him being s- s- giving a lot of penalties to be value for money. That game, that Tottenham game was... Pretty interesting, you know, um, mainly because Everton are so bad. Uh, 0.2 XG for Everton. That's that's like one shot, two shots. That's nothing. Uh, Tottenham's 3.0 XG was maybe not so surprisingly the highest XG of the game week. And um, have we had anything more interesting? I think we'll be doing fine there. Most chances created. Man City, Kevin De Bruyne, not surprising to find him here. He's actually tied with Alexander-Arnold, who's uh, leading the chances created chart for the 
for the game weekend for the season, of course. This has made me worry because I've got three Wolves players and I haven't got any Man City players. And the, these stats are quite damning um, for how good Man City are and how bad Wolves have been. Yeah, but I think I think that's a point you, you, we've got to remember. I remember you guys talking about dropping Man City players on a wild card in game week 26, I think it was, or maybe it was 28. It makes sense with the amount of doubles and the blanks. And going a bit forward, we're, we're noticing that actually they're not running they're not they're not at this point at least running away with the league you could argue that yes they aren't have they're they're not going to have as many fixtures as leicester have the they don't get that many doubles they're probably going to be in europe uh, for a long while yet they're probably going to go far in the fa cup but going without uh, man city players uh, in the long term, considering how good they are in the metrics, uh, could be a bit risky, especially if they're not uh, that likely to rotate. Yeah, I think from, I mean, especially from those stats you've just said, I think people like, I mean, I only sold Man City players this week, but you know, I think generally people who sold Man City players have, have got away with it a little bit, especially um, Cancelo. Like you yeah. said, with the stats for, you know, Man United's attacking stats weren't that great. Um <laughs> obviously they still still grabbed a goal and Cancelo only got two points but yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a worry going on with, without them um but no that, I thought that was a that brilliant roundup and it's it, I find it useful as well just because it's, it, the, obviously there's certain things we concentrate our minds on with FPL and it's easy to forget what the results were um and how many goals there were this week so far I mean so many teams scoring you know three or four or even five goals yeah um, must be one of the highest scoring game weeks of the season but if you're on the right players, you're happy this game week. I can tell you that. If you're not, uh, you're not that happy. <laughs> no, no, of course. Sh- should we get into our teams then? Um, yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. So if if we start with, um, should we start with start with you? Start with your game week. So like we said, so far, we're still still a long way to go. Yeah. Well, um, halfway through the game week, uh, in goal, I've got Ramsdale, who got a two pointer. I was hoping for a clean sheet, considering. Uh, Watford not being very good going forward, and they're being coached by Roy Hodgson. I thought that was a banker. Um, and um, my captain, Thiago Silva, uh, I got him uh, because I wanted to bring in, this is where this whole game 30 thing come, comes in. Mm. I wanted to bring in Ollie Watkins because he plays in game 30. So that meant I didn't go for a more expensive Chelsea uh, defender. But, um, and um, yeah, I mean, he got me 12 points so far, and he's playing next game. That's always a plus, I think, if he plays. And uh, uh, next to him, I've got Kilman with a one pointer, uh, Luca Dina, who is uh, suddenly back and healthy again, and uh, Alexander Arnold with his 12 pointer, James Ward Prowse with two points, another game to go. Youngman's son with seven, Rafinha with two points, Ollie Watkins with five, Broja with two, and Harry Kane with 13. So that's 58 minus four points so far. You've got quite a few doublers um, still still to come at least. Yeah, I've taken, uh, you know, I took minus 20 uh, in game week 26, sort of like committing to this entire period. And I, because I really wanted to triple captain Mo Salah, I was like, I did not want to miss out on that opportunity. Mm. So I, the compromise was I could uh, 
take a few hits and sort of um, get by in that way. All the hits have paid out almost immediately, but um, I'm still 20 points behind someone who um, did not take those hits, of course, I guess. No, of course, but I mean, like I said, your team looks good because you've got so many doublers. Um, and I mean, who's no, who knows what's to come? And you've obviously got Thiago Silva, captain as well. So, I mean, he could get close to James potentially. I mean, I know James is on eighteen points and Thiago Silva's only only on six, but you'd imagine that would go to at least twelve in the in the next game. Yeah, that's. It felt like I could not miss out on two clean sheets in a row. That was almost like too good to be true uh so I, I had to get a chelsea defender in it's probably the most boring chelsea defender you can imagine but yeah, he's there he's got me points I, don't, I think he's a bit more exciting than rudiger and i say this is someone who's got rudiger um he's, he's pretty good for bonus he seems to have more attacking threat i haven't checked the stats but he seems to um, he, he just, he's got uh, he, he puts through some good through balls i give you that mm. Rudiger's got this sort of like, um, you see Joel Matip does that as well sometimes, just lumbering along with the ball and just take a long shot that's, you know, he get hits the one in 30 maybe is on target. But that's, it's fun to watch at least. Yeah, and he's got three goals. I didn't realise it was that many. Three goals. So who, who knows? Is, uh, <laughs> their main uh, intended target on set pieces, I think. Seems like it. I mean, one goal tomorrow, and you, you're ahead of James Captainers after after the injury. So who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I, so I ended up wildcarding after after last week. Um, I was quite unsure because we were recording last week, me and Andrew. It was actually during the FA Cup games, so we didn't know if Chelsea would be doubling. Um, I just I just couldn't resist going for a couple of Chelsea. Um, I'm on 79 points. Um, that's mainly because of Reese James captain and because I switched Son to Kane. Um, I mean, the rest of my team's actually been pretty disappointing. I've, I mean, I've got 32 points on the bench. Um, now, obviously, <laughs> obviously, because I was on wildcard, I couldn't bench boost. I also don't even have my bench boost chip. So I knew, you know, benching Ramsdale, Lacazette, Saka and Kulisevsky. I knew they could go big, but I, I mean, I didn't expect 30 points on the bench. Sorry, 32 points on the bench. Um, especially when I've got, you know, four players in my starting 11 who put up one so far, three of those being the Wolves guys. Um, and also I went for this 5-3-2 um, because I, I thought this week was going to be good for clean sheets. And obviously looking at um, all the stats you've just gone through, it's probably not been the week to go heavy at the back. Um, and, and then obviously next week and onwards, I'm going to go to a more attacking formation. Um, yeah. But I, just, I was just waiting for that Arsenal and Spurs double. Um, so you, it has been a it has been a season, you know, with all the blanks and doubles to have uh, a lot of money on your bench. And the, the easiest way to have money on your bench is to invest in the defence, you know, because that's always where the value is if you want if you're not spending a lot of money, you know. So it makes sense, uh, considering you want to try and get by in game 30 as well. So, Well, that was the thing. So I went for Kilman and Cody. So I went for the cheap nailed ones. And obviously, with that, I mean, Kilman was so bad, maybe we find out tomorrow he's not nailed anymore. But I just figured, yeah, they could be bench fodder. for the, Even though, you know, we've gone through Wolves and they were overperforming, I thought they'd be good bench fodder. 
Um, yeah. It's just obviously not gone like that. And then we'll, um, Watford, obviously, is the next game. I thought that was going to be the good fixture. But then, like you said, they did quite well against Arsenal. Um, so maybe Watford aren't the pushovers we were hoping that they'd be. Um, you know, it's, it's always with these teams on the bottom. I keep waiting for the time that they're actually going to give up on the season. Uh, and I always hope it's, it's next game week. They're, they they realise they're not going to make it. They're just going to give up. But they, they rarely do. <laughs> so like uh, I think it's something in, in an athlete's um, mentality you don't you rarely go out and uh, play to lose uh, it's just what we hope for yeah it's, it's not quite like the NFL or something where they almost re- re- rewarded for losing um <laughs> so, you know get a better draft pick or something yeah, like that yeah yeah but um yeah, and I, I guess Reese James is is the odd one. I guess we're gonna have probably different opinions on this. Um, now, obviously, I'm over the moon that I had Reese James captain. You know, it went better than I ever expected, and I'm I'm glad I took the risk on it. But I do feel like these opportunities come around so rarely. You know, I was gonna get Norwich as a captain, and yeah. new people can't jump on board. Um, so it's, it's greedy. Um, and honestly, when Reese James did that, I did feel bad for a few of my rivals that I wouldn't normally feel bad for. Because it was Actually, such a brutal swing. You're really, you're just saying that because you're gonna publish this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I genuinely did feel a little bit bad. Or, but the thing is, it started to even out. You know, that was before Arsenal did well, etc. Because yeah. I, I, you know, I knew people that had done hits and they were on like one point at the end of, you know, at the end of Saturday. Yeah. And then I was sat there with 36 points from James. So I mean, that didn't feel fair. Um, That's very. I don't know, yeah. But, yeah it's just a bit disappointing but I'm sure you feel differently and it's a bit like you know Gundogan last season where he got a big haul some people captained him and yeah. I mean I didn't so I probably did have the opposite opinion then I was like oh well get over it you know you, you've got a big haul from it you know I think that was about 40 points or something um, now, what I think is a lot of people it's a natural human instinct to just remember the times that you got uh, fucked over by variants mm-hmm. you know and um, we, uh, we we forget the times we were actually on that player that hold. I think we can be a bit better about actually remembering the times we got it right, and you know give credit to ourselves for that because that is, 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 is precisely what you said. There's so few moments in a season that are like this defining to put yourself in a position where you can get that player who has the potential and you go for it. And it pays off. And I think you just got to enjoy that because you could do what I did and uh, own, bring in Ronaldo for a hit. And you know that game week was a 19 when Bruno hold and mm-hmm. Ronaldo got like two points. That sticks by. That sticks in your head that you made that mistake. You got, but you got to also remember the times you, you brought that one player in and, and give yourself some credit because if we always continue to like put ourselves down and keep uh, keep bringing ourselves down because we missed that hole, it's not going to be a, a good in, an experience playing this game. No, it's very true. And I guess it's also, yeah, you're trying to go for perfection and that's it's not possible. And I mean, maybe if this went differently, you know, if, if I got nine points in both games, I'd be delighted and I am still happy. But I guess it was just I was really looking forward to Norwich. I was almost counting the days down. And I was I was even think, thinking yesterday, like, oh, it's a long time till Thursday. 
But then I was thinking, oh, at least Reese James, he's getting rested. You know, he's getting, he's getting, he's getting a break as well. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just a, you know, an odd one there. And just on Coutinho, I didn't have Coutinho. And yeah. I mean, I never considered him. Um, the one I was annoyed I didn't go for on wildcard was Havertz. I feel like I, those fixtures look so good and I should have really thought about three Chelsea, but I was trying to plan for 28, 29 and 30 yeah. without using any transfers. And obviously that, that idea is gone already. I've already used the transfer when I was going to roll. <laughs> but yeah, well, that's the thing. Uh, getting, I, I think we need to look at game week 26 to game week 30 as like a whole set of game week, because it's mm. like a condensed period of games where uh, almost from the start, you set your strategy out. When you have that, you have the fixtures in front of you. Uh, you, you look at your team. You've got your planner, and that's the sort of um, snowball effect of that. It just keeps rolling. So I think over that period, it's impossible to to hit every player that's going to haul. Uh, I think this game week has been pretty hurtful, especially because almost every player that hold has been a player that's been like talked about. So mm-hmm. it's, been in, it's been in your mind about that player. So you, 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 you've thought about getting Coutinho in and you, you're like, you've thought about bringing Reese James in. Can I do it? Can I do it? And uh, that's what makes it so hurtful. And that's why it's so painful when uh, one of these guys uh, that you really, really wanted to get and didn't. That's why it's become so painful because this uh, has been like a game week of highs and lows, I think. Also, I think there's some players that I'd probably be more annoyed about. I mean, you've got one of them, actually. And I think this is like brutal luck. So obviously you've got Luca Dean. Um, but if you'd gone for Matty Cash, for example, over yeah. the I'm sorry to bring this up, but obviously over the last couple of weeks, you would have got some hauls instead of, yeah. you know, what, you, what you've had, um, which is it looks like he, he could end up blocking your sack of points on the bench, for example. Yeah, exactly. um, and that, I mean, that feels like, a you know, such a close call. Yeah, I, I, we're going to talk about like um, lessons from uh, the season. Yeah, I should think, we go into that now? Actually, and then we can cover maybe maybe that. Uh, Dini is actually a lesson for me. Um, do you know that film? Uh, what's it called? The Usual Suspects. Have you seen it? I've heard of it. I've, I, I'm awful for films. I think it's a Tarantino one. Uh, I don't think it is, but it, it oh, maybe not. Like, See, I'm... <laughs> it does feel like a Tarantino film. There's like a quote from that film that says, "The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was uh, that it didn't exist." And for me, it's like the greatest trick that Dini ever pulled was that he could haul. I mean, um, going for Dini over Matty Cash is like, I feel this is a lot of hindsight talking. That for me is like me being lazy. Because looking at the fixtures, he's got he's got doubles. He plays in the blank. Oh, let me bring a Aston Villa defender in. Matty Cash, if you look at the games, he gets forward a lot. He gets in the penalty yeah. area. And but some something inside me just says, Luca Dean tried and tested. Like it's like it's like name recognition. I, you've, you've seen it's like a commercial you've seen the name so many times that when you go, when you go in a store you pick that out you pick the familiar brand and <laughs> for me I think that's a lesson just not not going for a player just because you you, you know them 
and maybe like actually uh, try and take a step back and being more objective and actually um, look at what they can do. And um, also, also I think it's um, it's uh, it's fair to have a player that you tell yourself you you never never ever get an FPO. And I think he is like a great example of that. Do you know it's, it's interesting because um, so I, I did a Patreon pod with Josh and Iceman. Maybe, I think it's about a month ago. And, and they were ganging up on me about Luca Dean. Um, I ended up going for no Villa defenders, but I think the point I made about him was he doesn't really score goals. No. Um, I think the last one he scored was against Shrewsbury or something like that in a cup in a cup game. Um, so I do agree. I do feel like he's an overhyped player. I mean, obviously, what happened this week was you know pure bad luck. Um, but yeah, I, I've never been a massive fan of him. Obviously, there was that season when he was at Everton. Um, it know, wasn't was... a season; it was a spring. It wasn't even an entire season. He just had one one spring where he was like, uh, you know, when 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 they let let the cows out for pasture, and he had that. <laughs> uh... He actually ruined my Christmas because he scored um, two goals um, on Boxing Day once, and I I benched him. Um, I think that was two. You know, it's two of his own. Like he hasn't scored many goals in his career. And I guess doing something like that, that gives him notoriety um, amongst FPL managers. Yeah. We've all, most of us have had good moments with him. So I think that's a mm. bit of a sentimentality pick, almost. Um, yeah, and um, I guess go looking at the data, there's not that much to differentiate Cash and Dina. But if I just gone into there, I, I, he, he's better than him for expected goal involvement over the season, for example. And uh, I could, uh, it's easier to just go by that and just check it out for yourself. Okay, well, why am I actually picking this guy that I just feel comfortable with? I don't know what I'm getting, but... Does um, like herd mentality or ownership come into it as well? Because something I find quite difficult... And it's probably why sometimes I go for two, like I went for two Wolves defenders, I got two Chelsea defenders. It's, yeah. it's hard to make the decision sometimes because there can be obviously the, the popular safe pick, as it were. Mm. But then there could be the more tempting, like differential, which obviously would have been Matty Cash, for example. Mm. I mean, does does that come into your thinking um, when you when you go for someone like Dean over Cash as well? Because obviously I, I'm assuming Dean's a lot higher owned. Yeah, I haven't looked at it actually, but mm. I, I assume you're right. Yeah, I think a lot of people just uh, went by that. I mean, herd mentality. Uh, we use it almost like a slanderous thing. Uh, it's like a negative thing. It can actually help you if you press True. the time. It's a lot easier to just go with the players people are talking about. I mean, for example, you'd have gotten uh, if you'd listened to a load of pods and you've watched and you've been on Twitter, you'd have gotten people talking about Reese James, you'd have gotten people talking about Coutinho, and um, you probably wouldn't have gotten that many people talking about Ryan Frazier, but you, you'd pick up on some uh, big holes. You could have copied somebody's um, Gaming 26 team and had a bench boost of Arsenal players this mm-hmm. game, for example. So if you're pressed for time, I don't think it's, it's that bad. I mean, um, if you want to go by yourself you probably you could have more enjoyment from just uh, ignoring social media 
and maybe just listen to pods and stuff, but it does take a lot of time. And I, I, I have a lot of respect for people not having the time to do that. No, of course. And actually, actually there was a, I guess this is going a bit, of, a bit of a tangent, but I think something I found last season is obviously I had an awful season and I was going for a lot of differential picks to try and catch up. Um, and something I found having a lot of differentials was if there was a suddenly, I remember I had like Obama Yang had malaria, Saka got injured, you know, I had, there'd be things that wouldn't affect everyone. So, mm. you know, like, like this week, I guess, you know, James is obviously injured. Um, but, you know, a lot of people are going to have to deal with that. So you're not on your own. So, you know, a lot of people might be justifying hits. Um, obviously, but if you've got someone like Vardy, you're kind of on your own, like pretty you know, there's not going to be many people with Vardy at the moment. So I guess there can be that downside if you're going for differentials. If something goes wrong, you might be the only one trying to fix it as well, if if, if that makes sense. Just to Yeah, that's a very good point, actually. Yeah, I agree with that completely. It's something I found last year because there was a couple of weeks where people were rolling transfers. And I remember I was having to do like a minus 12 to remove all my Arsenal players because um, so, no one had Arsenal players. Yeah. Um, but I, I, get, I mean, I guess it could go the other way as well, but... In my experience, it was just me me getting screwed over, um, <laughs> and the template was, you know, absolutely flying. Yeah, well, uh, that's what that's why uh, chasing is so difficult. Because, yeah. You know, half the time you just find you're digging the hole even deeper. Um, yeah, and that's why I'm I'm actually enjoying this season more because you know I'm not feeling like if I captain Salah, I'm not feeling like oh should I be looking at something more clever? I don't feel like I need to. Whereas I guess maybe some people will be thinking that now. You dig yeah. the, you know, you dig the hole a bit deeper. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Do you feel like you made the correct decision in approaching the game differently when you were um, uh, having a poor season and chasing rank, or uh, do you feel like you should just keep, uh, should you should have just uh, kept on playing your game? It's hard to know until you're in the situation, um, because I, I mean, I think there was a lot of anger last year as well. It's like, oh, it's, you know, it's it's ruined now. There's, who cares? Like, there's no point. It can't make it any worse, kind of thing. Yeah. Um. There was, there was, it was almost like there was nothing to protect. Like, you know, if you captain, some, because sometimes you're going to captain someone you're not 100% sure about. Like, so there might be a week where you're like, is Salah actually the best captain? It, mm. it, I mean, it might be rare, but there wasn't like, but then it's like, well, there's no point being too clever. But I think whereas last season, I wouldn't, I wasn't protecting anything if I went against it. It was just, it felt like there was almost no risk because the season was so bad. Um, but yeah, um, I've got a couple of other ones, a couple of other learnings. So shall I do one and then you go to your, go to one of yours? Yeah. Awesome. Um, so one of mine, I, I mean, I did mention to you briefly before we started recording, but it's paying attention to goalkeepers more mm. because I mean, something I noticed, so I wildcarded in game week nine, um, but I stuck with Sanchez instead of Ramsdale. I went for Sanchez and Foster and I stuck with them that. Um, I mean, I did make one change, actually. I've changed Foster to Guaita, um, maybe after about 10, 12 weeks. I think Foster was injured. But basically, I stuck with two pretty poor goalkeepers. While people who had Ramsdale were, you know, absolutely flying compared to me. Yeah. And I stuck to that old mantra, you know, you don't don't waste your transfers on a goalkeeper. And I mean, looking back at the points I missed out on, it's probably the difference between me. I mean, I'm, I'm 10K at the moment, but if I'd gone for Ramsdale instead... I think I worked out it would be I'd be roughly around 1k but just doing like one minus four um and I feel like the see and then thinking about it more the seasons where I've had good seasons in the past 
I've, you know, I found that goalie who's good early on and, you know, stuck with them, whether it's Martinez, for example, last season, Pope's been the goalkeeper to pick, you know, a couple of times. And I'm not saying Ramsdale is the best goalkeeper. And, you know, there's a lot of doubles and stuff, which we have to take into account as well. But I think I should have put more effort and more transfers into my goalkeepers. Mm. I think that's a, a learning for me. Yeah, I can agree with that because there's been like, uh, as long as I can remember, there's been one or two geek goalkeepers that, that turn out to be like FPL gold, great value for money, like Pope at mm. 4.5 million or um, Martinez last season. And um, I had that last season. I, I never went for Martinez. And there comes a point when that player is like 5.3 million or something, and you've lost 0.8 in value. And then it just becomes uh, so much more difficult to just get that player in. Um, so I think, I'm not sure how we can improve on that because uh, I think we might be uh, we might need to be more attentive to that and just uh, try and uh, be aware of the options and uh, maybe like you say uh, make a transfer earlier. Because, but mm. it's all about luck, of course, as well. Because uh, Crystal Palace were underperforming their data; they've let in uh, five more goals than they should have. And if you look at the uh, how Jose Sa has been doing, it's been like a crazy amount of all performance. And the same can be said for Martinez. Of course, he had a great season last year and he was almost mm. unstoppable. So it's like there's so much uh, unpredictability when it comes to goalkeepers and defences because clean sheets are not a very good predictive data. You can't like say this team has X amount of clean sheets, therefore they're uh, the best defence. They have the most clean sheets, and therefore they're the best defense. It doesn't. It has. It doesn't have that much predictive value as uh, the date. The other data has. The expected data has. But it's what we get points for. So that's like. It's. Um, it's not easy, like to. Um, to spot that keeper that's gonna be that's gonna be good. This season, I think it's difficult because it's different because. You could have said from the start that, okay, turns out a 4.5 goalkeeper is the number one goalkeeper for Arsenal. I think we both should have maybe just been more attentive to that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, 4.5 goalkeeper, top six team, just get him in. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting though, because the points you make about goalkeepers not being predictive, it's, it's so true. And I think that's why I found it so hard to, to move my goalkeeper. And like you said, there was some bad luck as well. Like I had Greater for a double game week and he got injured um, in the first game. You know, he got taken off at half time. So, I mean, stuff like that, I can't, you know, can't account for. But yeah, I guess it's just being a bit more aggressive um, yeah. with the goalkeepers, maybe considering them, you know, as more of an actual player in the team, which, because obviously back in the day, you never used to have a bench, um, you know, would never do a goalkeeper transfer because that's boring. And always have, you know, a cheap keeper. But it was just, I just noticed so many weeks where, you know, I'd have a pretty good week, but then my goalkeeper will get one point and my rival's goalkeeper will get 10 points. And it makes a big difference. You know, once that, you know, every, you know, if you're losing out on nine points, you know, every couple of weeks because you're a goalkeeper, yeah. it, it adds up pretty quickly. I mean, it doesn't seem like it in a week like this where the score's high. But when you're talking about, you know, the average is 50, you get 45 and your mini league rival gets 55. It adds up a lot. Um, 
yeah, you just you make a great point on them not being predictive. Yeah, and I, I think it's so difficult to tell what's going to be uh, good, but I think we we have to be at the start of a season. You, you need to be flexible with that, particularly because people are using their wild cards maybe in between game week three and nine. That's where we use our wild cards. So you, mm. at that at that point, that's where you really got the time to um, to focus maybe more on. Um, who is the best 4.5 goalkeeper, maybe 5.0, and and also who is the best 4.0 defender, because mm. um, you're you're going to find yourself being reluctant to spend a transfer on them, even if we're talking about it right now, and we maybe should be more aggressive with that. We can get hurt by it as well, but uh, I think what we can take with us is the people with the good fixtures, the attacker, the attackers. They're going to be you can easily more easily predict who you're going to get on that first wild card I think and um, it's maybe not as exciting to try and be aware of the, that goalkeeper that enabler defender and maybe that's something we can focus on for next season no I think so it's, it's funny you mentioned that as well because you've just made me remember one of the re- I wild card in the game week nine which was actually quite late um, yeah. and one of the reasons I held on so long is like I, I don't know who the best goalkeeper is and at that point, even in game week nine, he'd had a nine pointer, but nothing like everything else was like six, three, two. It wasn't really still till like game week 10. He, it became clear that he was the, you know, he put up a 10 pointer against Leicester, seven against Watford. Then it became quite obvious he was the best goalkeeper. So I guess it's even even after the wild card trying to trying to move. But yeah, that was just just one I thought of. I mean, did, did you have another, another one, um, like another learning that you thought about? I think uh, you 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 uh, sort of mentioned it when you you came on to that uh, about Reese James. I mean, um, um, I need to look ahead more on the fixtures and uh, see what is the player just with my transfer enable myself to get that player that's going to be uh, in such a great position to 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 haul like the reese james in this in this instance and maybe um maybe uh, bruno as an example or something like that so but i think you know not being afraid of taking that maybe even taking a hit for that like obviously amazing opportunity and because i think FPL is such a game where you is we're looking at our mini leagues and stuff, but mostly the game is in our heads. You know, we're playing against ourselves, so it's like uh, somehow trying to find a balance of patience, which I think is the most important thing in this game, and um, recognizing when it's time to step away from that, and uh, mm. maybe analyzing the times you did and the times you didn't and what made you take take that jump and what made you not uh, go for it and how it turned out and uh, why uh, it ended up the way it did because uh, that's like these few instances in a, in a season where we can really get on a player that is uh, is in a great position to really get some points for us 
Reese James was a using that one as an example. Reese James was a, a strange one because it sort of ties into what you said earlier about you know having time to plan, etc. I felt like because obviously we didn't know for sure that Chelsea were doubling till really late in the week. Yeah. And then obviously we got that press conference from Tuchel saying that Azpilicueta was injured. And I feel like it was quite a late like snowball effect that caused, you know, quite a lot of people to move on to James. I mean, a lot of people on pods and on Twitter this week have been saying they captain James, you know, with minutes to spare you yeah. know, be- before the deadline. I mean, I'd actually locked my team in. I actually tweeted it out early on Friday because I didn't want to be tempted by James Captain. Um, And then I got a message from Hibbo. um, And he just basically said that Mikhail's algorithm had updated and James was top. Um, And and then I I could sort of justify it because, you know, if someone like Mikhail is saying it's the best pick, maybe I'm not being stupid or, or reckless going for it. And I think it all snowballed quite late, I guess maybe because of things like FPL Review and Mikhail, that probably you know that gets passed around pretty quickly um so it's i think it's like you said that it was just there's not much time between the game weeks it wasn't one you could think about a week you had to take loads of information in at the very last minute yeah and yeah. hope to get lucky yeah and it's 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 really difficult mm. and you find yourself uh wondering if you're if you it's really you taking that decision or if it's just that herd mentality and sometimes um you have like this innate resistance to go with what everyone is talking about and uh yeah sometimes like in this game we that can really hurt you but even now the debate hasn't stopped with with james um because obviously a lot of people didn't go with him because of minutes and now because he's got injured that proves you know the risks there were with james but then he's got 18 points so it, it really muddies the water and it makes it hard to know which was the best decision yeah well, I mean, his his goals are, you know, often like, you know, these amazing shots from distance and stuff like mm. that. So it's never it's never going to be like he's obviously uh, in a position in every game to to get those goals and assists. But you know, um, and uh, people have different experiences of owning a guy like him. I got him in. You now I think. You could like clock it to when he stopped hauling at the beginning of the season. That's when I got him in. <laughs> and then it was like zero points. It was like binary. Uh, it was like zero, one, 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 zero. And um, so my experiences of him were not like um, an amazing pick. So that that's also like goes back to um, maybe what I talked about earlier with Dina and letting your preconceptions of a player get in the way of uh, what actually is a very, very good opportunity. It was, yeah. it was a perfect storm with these James, really. It's interesting how experiences can be so different because I've been very lucky. So both times I've wildcarded, I've got him in for the start of a run. As in, mm. like, last time I wildcarded, he got 13, 21, 7 and 12. And then this time I've wildcarded him and he's got 18 as my as, you know, as my captain. So, I mean, I, I'm not under any illusions. I've been very, very, very lucky um, to, for, the, for, the, for that experience. But that probably made it a bit easier. For, I mean, that's why I was I thought I was going to be silly if I captained him, because I felt like I might be chasing um, something that had happened before that was quite fortunate. Um, but yeah, no, that's brilliant. Um, I had one more learning and then I guess we can move on. Um, I guess then we'll go for the piss break and then we'll come back and go through some questions. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, my learning it's and I don't know if, again, if this will apply to you know future seasons, but I've always and I mentioned it briefly earlier. Like I've never really had a bench. I've always had the cheapest bench possible and just mm. concentrated on my 11. And then 
when I wildcarded early in the season, I had a bit of a bench because I ended up bench boosting in game week 10. Um, and then I realised that just having a bench would save transfers. Um, and it may well save me a hit this week, for example, because I was going to bench Jimenez. And now James is injured, but I could just play Jimenez. And yeah, early in the season when I didn't have a bench, I played like Gilmore and he was in and out of the team. Um, I was doing hits because I didn't have a bench. So I think a learning I've got from this season is there is this benefit of having a bench that it can save you from hits. I mean, I don't know if you agree agree with that, but it's just what I, I think I found this season with my team. No, I do agree. I think uh, I think you're onto something there. I think just being more flexible and um, getting yourself in a position to have two, three transfers more often. I think mm. that's really a uh, key to being successful, successful to being in a position where you can actually make uh, a bigger change to your team, like maybe change the direction of your team to a larger extent than only with one FT. And and also, I think, with the amount of money coming into the Premier League constantly, even the lower tier teams, like uh, bottom half teams, they're going to have bigger and bigger squads as we go on. And even they are going to start rotating. So... Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not saying this is going to happen next season, but it's like it's clear by the amount of money and by, by mm-hmm. the level of players that are in uh, teams in in the, the bottom half um, and the teams they're coming from uh, from in other parts of Europe. The lower league. I mean, Coutinho plays for Aston Villa. With all due respect to Aston Villa, it's like it's Felipe Coutinho. So if with the amount of money the Premier League clubs have right now, I think we're going to see more rotation in the future and at the level of almost like the, the top top level clubs. So we're going to have to be uh, a bit more flexible. So I think that's a good idea. I think you're right. And I mean, it also has, I guess it has an extra benefit for this season that that also helps us with doubles. Um, obviously, like with this week where I've wildcarded, got a load of doublers on the bench for next week you can really rotate in and out of the double doubles and you know maybe if you put like a Burnley or an Everton player on your bench you can play them in the doubles if if you want to uh, but then keep them benched the rest of the time um yeah. so yeah so that I mean that was that was my other learning and it's going to be something I'm going to try and bring into next season I mean it also means maybe I don't need to waste my bench boost so early if I'm going to be trying to carry more of a bench you know in in the future um because obviously um, do you, you I'm, I'm gonna ask you this do you have it in you to save your bench boost i feel like uh I've, all the time i've known you you've always <laughs> used it so early. um yeah i have it i, I probably do have it in me um <laughs> it's just full it just fell for me quite nicely earlier in the season um and do you know what, what's funny is obviously i a triple captain salah when you did when he went big yeah. but my bench was actually, my bench wasn't amazing that week, but there was a move I could have done to have a good bench. Mm. Um, so I think knowing myself, I'd have ended up using it instead of triple captain in Salah, which then would have impacted on my triple captain. So it could have had, I know I only got nine points on my bench boost, but it could have had a negative impact down the line mm. because I know I'm always looking to use it. And if if I didn't, if I had that chip still now, I'd be looking at, trying to get rid of it because it feels like it's like a ticking time bomb you need to get rid of it before game week 38 yeah um and it's just always playing on my mind if i don't um so yeah i'd be quite nervous holding it later 
and I'd always be inclined to looking at doing a minus 12 like I did last year um, to, to use it. Um, maybe it just doesn't suit me and the way I play. <laughs> I, don't think, uh, I think that's the reason why it's not a very light chip because mm. uh, I don't really agree that it's not a powerful chip. I think it obviously can be. But um, usually in a single game week, you have to be pretty lucky to, to haul. Like in this game week, I think I've seen a lot of people... Um, asking if they should bench boost in game week 29. And I don't think we're going to have as much uh, points on our benches uh, in game week 29 as people have had in game week 28. So I, I think maybe people are a bit swayed by the results they've had from single game weekers this game week. I don't think uh, the template team is in that good of a position to, to bench boost. I could be wrong. But um, the thing with the bench boost is it... It limits you from using the, the most powerful chip, which is, of course, the wild card. And um, that's what people don't like about it. Um, yeah, it limits you on all of them. Wild cards, free hits, and it can affect when you use your triple captain as well. Yeah. It has this knock-on effect that probably can't be quantified unless you've got, you know, a mathematics PhD. Um, and, and even yeah. then, there's, you know, you want to play the game completely differently. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I just just kind of hate that chip and just like getting rid of it but maybe i should be more open to to holding it longer it's just that fear when the you know as the game weeks are ticking down and it's not gone the fear that i'm going to do something stupid to get you know to get to get rid of it um and plus like you say there is a lot there is a lot of luck which which game week you use any chip in um i mean like you said if people bench boosted this week they've probably done very very well and I mean, you can't always predict that. I mean, if Arsenal hadn't done, you know, if Arsenal had drawn nil-nil with Watford, it would be obviously a very different, very different story. Yeah. And I mean, even the the week after I bench boost, I'd have had a massive score, but it was purely because Ben Foster saved a penalty. Um, I mean, how can you predict something like that? You just can't. And you never can. And, and no. people say like a 20 point bench boost is a success. You can have 20 points from one player. And the, the rest of the team is like all twos or stuff like that. So it's it's difficult to say. And I think a lot of people would be more happy with a bench boost where all of the players have six points and uh, be unhappy with a game where uh, three players get two points and one player gets 12 points. But it's... Do you know what? It's funny you say that, actually, because I'll tell you something else. Actually, that week I bench boost was the week that Rhys James got 21 points against Newcastle. And there was a lot of worry that he wouldn't play. So if I bench Reese James for, for that for that game week, um, and, you know, put his 21 points on my bench, is then my bench boost suddenly a success because I made a poor benching decision? <laughs> yeah. I guess that, I guess that's the other thing. But yeah, no, that's that's been, that's been brilliant. So I think what we do, Alan, we will go for the piss break. Um, then we come back and we go through some questions and obviously our transfers and captains um, for the upcoming game week. Welcome back. And what we're going to do now is we're going to go straight into a few community questions. Um, we'll give you our league code for the surgery league, and then we're going to do our transfers and captains um, for game week 29. And I guess we'll cover maybe triple captains as well. Um, you know, whether we would use them if we still had them. 
Um, so if we start with um, a question for, on our Slack channel from JRoz. Now, JRoz has said um, Spurs have been quite erratic. Um, a triple up with Spurs assets for get double game week in 29 and the game is game in 30 is tempting. But is it prudent? So I think there's two teams doubling this game week that also play in 30. That's Arsenal and Spurs. So, Alan, I mean, are you looking at a triple triple up on Spurs? Yeah, I think so. I might be. Um, I've I've got as you as I mentioned, I've got uh, Son and Kane. So um, the obvious options are either Matt Doherty or um, uh, Kulusevski, Dan Kulusevski. So I'm just now uh, in the middle of pondering one of those two guys. Yeah. yeah. You're in a great position having Kane and Son because I mean I was fiddling around on wildcard last week and I just could not make that double up work. So you've done yeah. really well too. I guess you've done it because you've got cheap, like cheaper strikers. It, it, it's all a part of this this long term strategy of uh, mm. going for Kane because he was playing in uh, the previous blank and and he had a double. But also, it also means that I'm going to have to survive this game week without owning Mo Salah. So it's like it's a risk I think a lot of people would not take. But yeah, I, that way I'm in a good position. I agree with you there. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to be in that position, especially actually um, for game week 30 as well, you know, to have Kane and Son. Now, because I couldn't get to Son and I preferred Kane over Son, um, you know, after after I had a little look and, you know, the different stats and stuff over the last few weeks. Um, and obviously I really like Son. Um, sorry, I really like Kane. Um, so I decided to just get Kulisevsky in um, on my wild card and, and bench him. So obviously I was disappointed I didn't get the points this week. I don't think he covers Son, but... You know, at least he, you know, we think he's going to start and maybe he can come close to Son um, if, they, if that's at all possible. Well, the the, the big uh, the, the big thing is, of course, the saving you get with mm. the over Son. And um, I think obviously the ceiling with Son is bigger because uh, he gets in a, a lot of good goal scoring opportunities. He's he missed. Um, He's missed a fair few chances uh, over this these past game weeks, uh, which is like not very uh, typical for him. But you know, data-wise, obviously Kane is is number one priority. I think if you don't have him, you you should really consider routes to getting him in. And uh, other than that, I think uh, considering the budget we have available and uh, Spending your money, I think Kulusevski makes very good sense. Um, watching him play, I think the way he started now, I think he's going to keep playing. Seems like um, Conte, is, if he sees someone in that kind of form, he, he keeps playing them like he's done with uh, Ryan Sessegnon until he got injured uh, in this past match on Monday. So I think I think he has he's actually more sort of uh, safe or nail on, nailed on or what have you than a lot of people are worried about. Yeah, and I think they've messed up the pricing as well. I think they've just seen a new Spurs player come in um, and just put him at six million, not expecting him to have such an impact. And it's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, two two goals and three assists already in, you know, in six games. Yeah. And he didn't even start, you know, the, the first, you know, the, the very first game, the game against Southampton. 
Um, and he got more minutes than Son. That's I, I guess that's another thing in his in his favour. And I remember listening to to Plan, I think it was Planet FPL. But yeah, it would have been James. And he was saying that um, in a in a previous game, it might have been the, the Burnley one. Um, yeah. He moved into wing to wing back um, when there were some subs made, so that might help his minutes as well. That he can be a bit you know a bit versatile. Yeah, he's such a concept player as well. I mean, uh, the way he's playing with his, uh, his stamina and the fact that he can play wing back, which Conte obviously loves, and uh, just putting those crosses in for Harry Kane and Youngman Son, he's putting him in for like two of the best passers in in the world right now. So you know, he's like in a great position to get uh, assists, I think. And yeah. uh, uh, like I said, I think Conte is going to stick with him. And um, it's difficult for FPL pricing a player up like that when they come into the league. Because my instinct was, okay, my first instinct was, okay, is is he going to do a lot better than a player like, what's it, Steven Bergwijn? Like, in my mind, we're like sort of equally good. Obviously, being Swedish, I've, I've watched a lot of Darian Kulusevski. I know how good he can be. But coming into new league, it's always difficult to tell. And he had a great season at Parma, and then he got transferred to Juve, and it, it didn't really work out that well. So it just changes your perception of a player a bit, I think. Yeah, no, I can. That's a good comparison with Bergwijn. I can see why they did the pricing at the time, um, but just obviously over the last few weeks, it's become apparent that they'd probably, you know, if they could price him again, it'd clearly be a little bit higher. But it's also really nice not having to, like, normally with Spurs, we have to look at Kane and Son, and that's it. So it's mm. nice having that other option. Yeah. Um, I mean, have you considered going for all three attacking players and, you know, for going Doherty, for, just for example? Because you're in a quite a unique situation. Yeah, I have. Uh, it's In my mind, it's between either uh, doing uh, Bowen to... Uh, to Kulisevsky or doing Bowen to maybe an Arsenal player like Martinelli. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing that's making me consider um, um, Martinelli is um, just sort of spraying the risk, knowing that um, Arsenal have a solid attack. They're constantly improving on, on the season and um, just being able to uh, get uh, Matt Doherty in um, as well. If I want to uh, maybe uh, drop a drop Kilman or drop Luka Dean, for example. Yeah, and I, I guess actually he's obviously said Kulusevski's underpriced, but I guess Matt Doherty, if he if he's you know going to be the starter, he's underpriced. Yeah. Same with Martinelli, um, who's even cheaper. So there are a lot of good options, you know, heading into double game week 29, and then players who play in in game week 30. And I guess it links us into a question we actually had from Solomon Ronjon, who's asked the top three players that owning double game week 29 and 30. Um, so I guess we've covered the Spurs players. Um, and the only other one who doubles and then plays in the blank is is Arsenal. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, sh- should we discuss? Maybe it's better if we just discuss Arsenal here, actually. Because um, obviously the Salas and stuff, they're, pr- they're pretty pretty obvious, um, you'd, you'd think. Um, so, you, so you'll be looking at... Martinelli um, as a player to potentially come in? Yeah, because um, right now, Arsenal attack is looking pretty exciting to me, watching them play and watching the interplay. 
between Lacazette dropping deep and becoming the playmaker and allowing for guys like Saka and Martinelli to actually score the goals. I think um, at 5.3, Martinelli is hugely exciting to be able to get in. And he just looks so good. And he's so direct and... um, it's really uh, tempting for me to to bring him. I'm a, I'm a sucker for goals, and I think like mm. the prospect of Martinelli scoring is higher than Kulusevski scoring, even though it's not unlikely that Kulusevski is going to have going to outscore him in actual FPL points because he's going to get assists. No, you're right. Martinelli is is explosive. Um, we've we've seen that, and I guess I mean in my situation, I've already gone for Lacazette and Saka. So I can't go for Martinelli now. I, I guess the thing with Lacazette that the, and the reason I went for him is that there's not many strikers that I like. Um, so I went for Lacazette, who's also on penalties. Um, I know penalties, again, I, keep, I seem to mention them every week and then there's not many penalties. Um, well, outside of Salah in the in the double game week. Um, but yeah, so that's why I've gone for Lacazette instead of Martinelli. But I'm envious of anyone who's who's got Martinelli. I really, you don't think Lacazette is a great option. I, I really like him. I mean, he's not gonna, he's not gonna haul, but he seems like he's taking over. He's so involved in the attacking play. You know, he's got an assist, and like, uh, he seems one of the highest scoring forwards in the last eight game weeks or something like that. And um, he seems to be so involved in the game and he, mm-hmm. like, uh, racking up the assists and. You're not likely to captain an Arsenal player anyway, so I don't think. No, I think I think that. what it is. So I like Lacazette, um, and obviously because there's no strikers, that's a, that's a big reason. I think it's actually one of these situations where I'd I'd like to have more than three Arsenal players. Like I look mm-hmm. at my team with like Ramsdale, Saka, and Lacazette, and I feel like honestly I could transfer in two more and be quite happy. As mad as mad as that sounds, like I'd love to have like a Tierney or a White, um, you know, as, as a budget defender. I still like to have Martinelli over, say, like Ramsey, for example. Um, so but over this double, mm-hmm. I don't believe Arsenal are getting any clean sheet points. No, uh, that's no, that's very, that's very true. And it was actually in my thinking um, when I built the wild card that I decided to go for the attacking Arsenal players because it's been quite popular, hasn't it, having the defenders and Ramsdale. Um, yeah. But because of this double, it's why I've gone for the attackers, and it's mainly that Leicester game, obviously. Um, yeah. Although it's nice because both of their games are at home. Obviously, Liverpool and Spurs, both their games are away. So Arsenal potentially could be the best double of the, of the three, arguably anyway. Yeah, with their home form, that's true. I think, mm. uh, aren't they really good at home? I think um, I seem to recall that. No, they are. They are. And I mean, I think that's also a negative for Liverpool and Spurs. Obviously, well, you know, Liverpool aren't bad away you know I'd much rather have them at Anfield like they were in double game week 26 yeah um, yeah because I mean it could be a tricky game um, for, for Liverpool away at Arsenal um, I know I know it's Liverpool um, never know it just feels like we, I guess with Arsenal it's that first game that's good that's going to be important that Leicester game did you ever expect that Arsenal would have good home form I mean like the, the <laughs> mood at the Emirates it's not exactly like it's predictable that they would be having a great home form. But, you know, it, it feels like we might be tricking ourselves with that one. I mean, um, mm, maybe. It, it does seem strange, them having good, good home form. Um, but, I mean, they've really picked up. I mean, you look at them at the start of the season and look at them now. 
And now I'm saying I'd like if I could, I'd have more than three of them. And I really would. But I guess it doesn't go much beyond the double. It's purely because the circumstances have meant Spurs and Arsenal are the best assets for the next two weeks. I mean, outside of Liverpool, just because, you know, if you unless you're free hitting in 30, yeah. then you could probably look elsewhere. But even then, they got the double this week. Um, yeah, that's why I'm really looking forward to game week 30 when we can, like, think a bit more. We're so, you've got tunnel vision at the moment and we're all going to end up with very similar teams. Um, yeah. And it's just... Yeah, what I'm trying to keep in mind game 30 is is not to uh, lock myself out of uh, of getting Leicester players in. So, uh, for example, I've got uh, James Wood-Prowse in my team right now, and I did consider uh, getting both Kulisevsky and Martinelli in for a minus four. Uh, but then I don't have a clear path to uh, a Leicester attacker. Maybe Daka if, uh, if Vardy is out. That's actually a, a, could be a decent move. That's the thing. It's kind of like which one. And it's also that thing of planning, I guess, too far ahead. Because, um, I mean, again, one of the reasons I didn't mind Lacazette is he could eventually be a good move to Vardy. But now Vardy's injured. Yeah. It's it's not as obvious. And there is also still quite a big, big price gap between between those two. Um, but if, if we move on, we, so we had a question from Mark. Um, and it's probably a question that's going to be very popular um, is who is the best Reese James replacement? So obviously we found out in the last few hours that Reese James is going to miss two weeks. So it's four games. Um, now, one of those games is obviously the Norwich game, which is part of the, the game week that's under, you know, on its way anyway. So that's kind of irrelevant. Um, then Newcastle's at the weekend. Um, then they miss the, there's a Champions League game against Lille. And I believe the FA Cup games against Middlesbrough. So if all goes well over that international break before game week 31, potentially he's back for Brentford at home. Um, now I know you don't have Reese James, but what would you do if you did have him? Yeah, because it's going to be a team-dependent uh, thing, mm. isn't it? If you've got your free hit, you're going to look at Arsenal and Spurs players again. And uh, like I was saying, I don't think in this double game week, maybe not even in game week 30, we can expect uh, any clean sheets from uh, Arsenal. And you might say, okay, well, I can get some attacking returns. That's fair. I mean, uh, looking at the stats, Gabriel is fourth highest for XG uh, over the season. Looking at my data, at least, could be wrong. Yeah, I probably am. Probably am. <laughs> but um, for the past six game weeks. So he's gotten uh, a lot of chances, Gabriel, lately. So you could hope for an attacking return. But at the same time, You've got Matt Doherty there staring you in the face. So I think that's mm. pretty clear. Um, clear clear route to him. You you obviously can't afford it. And uh, if you're playing your free hit and can't afford Robo, Robertson and Robertson, I think that's a pretty clear move as well. Um, and if you're um, if you're playing the free hit and you um, can't uh, afford Robo, maybe you could take somebody like Matt Target or something. He's uh, he's not that bad going forward for Newcastle. Like you said, it's so team dependent, isn't it? Because it does depend on what you're doing in 30 and how many players you have for 30. Um, I think, you know, if someone was dead set on doing it, I'd probably go for Doherty just yeah. because he plays in game week 30 as well. So you're getting a bit bit more, you know, a bit more. Because I, I understand going for Robertson. 
But then if you're then losing a player for the game week afterwards, I, I, I don't know if Liverpool, like Liverpool's double's okay. And Robertson's brilliant. But then if you're losing a player for game week 30, I think Doherty might be the better pick. Um, I mean, and I mean, in my situation, for example, I'm probably not even going to lose James. I think I'm just going to hold him because I've got three Arsenal already and I've got three Spurs already. Yeah. And I've already got Trent. Mm. I, I can't get to Robertson without doing a hit. And then I feel like I'll probably want James back if he's back for the Brentford game. Yeah, it could well be. I mean, it's a hamstring hamstring injury, right? So that's that's mm. where you're going to. Uh, take a chance that he is going to be back fit and not have a setback, uh, which is unpredictable. But um, I think giving the type of player he is, it could be worth it. On the other hand, we don't have a lot of value tied up in him, uh, as opposed to a guy like uh, João Cancelo right now, who's uh, apparently out this Champions League game tonight with illness. So if he's going to miss the game week and you're counting on him, um, maybe you'd be a bit more reluctant to sell him if you, like me, bought him at 6.0. He's now 7.0 million. No, so it's, that's, a, it's uh, a good point. It's a, it's a good point on the value tied up. And yeah, I don't have any value tied up in him because he's not risen. I guess I guess it's just for me anyway. I There's nowhere I can really go um, and be comfortable with it because, you know, I, I mean, I'm not going to go for an Everton defender who double. If I go for a Newcastle defender... You know, then they don't play in playing 30. The same as if I went for Robertson. And to get Robertson, I'd have to do a bigger hit than a minus four. Yeah. Um, and then you're looking at like, yeah, Robertson could do very well. But if you're doing a minus four or minus eight to get him out, and then you want to do a minus four to get James back, um, because you, there's inevitably going to be other transfers we want to do as well. Mm. It just feels like it might not even pay off. I don't think it's a good uh, game week for clean sheets. It doesn't seem like it. No. I mean, both their games away. Uh, Arsenal facing Leicester and Liverpool. I don't think we're going to see any clean sheets in that one. Uh, Spurs did keep a clean sheet against Everton, who were very poor. and But they're now away against Man United and Brighton. So I don't think we're going to... I'd be wary about taking big hits to get a defender in. I don't think in the short term it's going to pay off. Uh, so just probably Matt Doherty fits the bill for a lot of people. I think I think so. And I think something I want to try and do, and maybe this is just because I've wildcarded, if I can roll next week, and that, I mean, it probably won't happen, but if I could roll and then have two during the international break and then maybe some double game weeks will get announced, you know, for 31 or 32, for example. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, like we mentioned, game week 30 seems like the end of this little block of crazy fixtures be really well set up to then have you know my two Chelsea defenders two free transfers and you know maybe some doubles that doubles that are announced as well um but yeah um should, should we move on to I guess our trans transfersing and captains now, actually sorry what I'll do first is I'm just going to mention um the FPL surgery league um so the code for that is 4U2742 now we are in the middle of a game week so I'll just give a very quick update with the top three so our Patreon league and again, it's mid-game week. Top is Frederick Tannum. Second, Damian Roberts. And third is Matthew Greco, a.k.a. Banana Nose Maldonado. Also, I've seen Hortz is in fourth there. And then the main FPL Surgery League, the top three are Sam McCaffle, Tor Even, Pettersson. And third is Tess Ocklin. 
And the code for the league again is 4U2742 if you want to join. And yeah, let's get let's get on with our our transfers and captains then, Alan. I know we've mentioned briefly what we're looking at. Um, if we start with, should we start with your captain? That's the first thing. <laughs> you know, first of all, I want to mention you never say uh, the people should join our Slack. Why don't you do that? Oh, really I should. Say. I should say that, shouldn't I? I'm, you know what? I'm really bad at plugging stuff. Um, you should plug is, the Slack. It's a great place. We uh, we need more people coming in there chatting about FPL. No, we do. No, we do. I completely agree. And there's been some good conversations on there today as well. Um, but yeah, it's just if you Google um, FPL Surgery Patreon, um, you can join the Patreon. Obviously, we've both been patrons. Um, you know, I was a patron before I got roped into hosting this. <laughs> um, but no, it is, it is a great place. Great place. So thank you, Alan. Thank you, Alan. <laughs> yeah, I, I just got to say, it's it's kept me playing the game just for enjoying and talking to people there even in game weeks where I didn't have much fun otherwise. So I just can really recommend people getting in there. And um, as far as captaincy goes, uh, I don't have Mo Salah, obviously. Uh, I'm not prepared to take a hit to get him in, I don't think, because I'm not sure he's going to play in uh, game week 31 with uh, right after the international games. He's going to be playing in, in Africa and coming straight back. Uh, and it's the first game week. So I think... In my mind, I'm not going to have Mo Salah until maybe game 33. So I'm going to take a gamble. I'm going to captain Harry Kane, and I'm going to bet that um, Man United are going to be open to counterattacks, and Harry Kane is going to score a brace. How did I... Do you know what? I, I, I looked at your team. You went through your team, and I think because Salah blanked, I actually didn't, didn't notice you didn't have him. No, I've been uh, I've been kind of lucky, I think. Wow, wow. No, it's it's a great point you make as well after the international break. Um, I think it might be one people. It's going to be tough though. It's going to be tough. Like it's always tough to sell Salah. Um, but yeah, no, I like that. I like the Kane captaincy, and to have Son as well. I mean, that could be huge for you. Yeah, and I think uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm either bringing. Um, Kulusevsky in or um, getting Martinelli or depending on like uh, what happens with my backline if you're like you were mentioning Kilman maybe getting dropped I would probably uh, focus on uh, maybe Doherty also for a minus four nice it sounds good I mean if you see a lot of people might be looking at a triple captain this week would that change you you know not having Salah would you change your mind on that if you were going to triple captain or do you not think it's the the week to be doing that um I've tried looking at this uh, it doesn't really apply to me but I've tried looking mm. at what would be a decent game week to triple captain in and it's difficult to tell really because what you need to ask yourself is would you be comfortable captaining a Leicester player which I think they have the most attractive fixtures um, in their backlog. So if the answer is yes, I could consider waiting. On the other hand, it is Mo Salah. He's got a double game week. It's right in front of you. A lot of people are going to do it. And uh, are you willing to take that risk for for a Leicester player, for example? I'd be inclined to captain Mo Salah with the, the chip. See, I was, I was, see, I was thinking about this as well. Obviously, I've used my triple captain already. I think I would wait. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I was looking at it, and there, there could be a Spurs and Villa 
double in in 36. Um, but it's also because of something we had a pod with Mikel last year, and I remember Mikel saying there was this time, and I mean people you don't use the algorithm. Um, it, these numbers might mean nothing, um, but that pod is well worth listening to, probably probably even now. Um, and Mikel's algorithm again to plug another Patreon is patreon.com forward slash transfer algorithm, I believe. Um, but Mikel was brilliant and. There was a double game week last year and KDB and Salah, they were at about 15 points in his algorithm. And he said that was like a very, very good um, you know, point value for a double game, you know, for a triple captaincy. Mm. And I think earlier in the season, so in game week 26, Salah was at about 18 points. He's got Salah at 12.79 for this week. Yeah. Um, so I, I think because it's a bit lower than that, potentially I would, I would wait. Um, I think I just don't like this. I'm going to captain Salah this week, but I'm just not expecting much. It doesn't feel like 26. It feels like a lot of it hinges on that Brighton game, um, which is the first kickoff of the game week. We're going to see many double game weeks as good as game 26 was. So uh, that's true. Well, Chelsea was probably the only one that's come close. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I'll give you that one. Um, would you have triple captained uh, Rhys James if you had the opportunity? I'd love to say yes. Um, I don't think I would have. I don't think I was there enough. Like I loved the game week. Um, obviously, there were still doubts over over James's minutes, etc. So the only players that are going to get, uh, like, if you talk about Mikkel's algorithm, I think the only players that are, would come close to like a 15 would be probably either Mo Salah or Harry Kane. So yeah. if you go by that one, you'd need to focus on a Harry Kane game week, absolutely. And then even this week, he's got—I mean, just to put it in perspective, how good Salah is—he's got—he's uh, got Kane at nine point five one. So he's got Salah. I'm, so I'm not trying to scare you, Alan, um, but he's got I've Salah. Seen I've seen the numbers. <laughs> yeah, but he's—he's he's got him quite a bit clear of of Kane, just to put it in perspective. So probably Salah is going to be the best one. Yeah. I guess it's just whether it's now or if it's in game week thirty-six, or like you say, if it's a Leicester. If it's a Leicester player, um, but yeah, I don't see any problem with triple captain and Salah this week. You know, maybe it would suit some people just to get it out of the way because they've got loads of chips left. They need to use the bench boost. They want to use a couple of free hits. Yeah. Maybe then it makes sense just to get rid of it, as it were. And I mean, it's not a bad player to put it on. <laughs> never, you can never argue that a triple captaincy on Salah is is a bad move. But no. maybe, and I think most people will have already adjusted their expectations for what he can achieve in this uh, double game week. So we're not going to expect that same haul, I think. It's very true. And also in the week that we triple captained Salah and the most people who triple captained Salah, we did get, you know, those penalties, which I mean, they definitely helped, didn't they? Getting a load of penalties or two penalties, um, you know, right at the start of the game as well. So there, there was maybe some people would say that was fortunate. Um, but yeah. I guess you play easier teams, you get more penalties generally. Um, but yeah, just to go over my moves quickly. I mean, I've already done my transfer, actually. Um, I plan to roll, but I've actually done Cody to Doherty already. Um, that's why I've got three spares, Kane, Kulu and Doherty. And I've got three Arsenal, Ramsdale, Saka and Lacazette. I'm going to captain Salah. The Reese James injury is annoying, but I was already benching Jimenez away to Everton. And, you know, as we said a lot of nice stuff, haven't we, about um, about Spurs this week. But some of that is because of how bad Everton were. So yeah. hopefully Jimenez plays 
you know, first of all, plays tomorrow, and then I can just roll Jimenez out and keep James on the bench. There's no one that I really fancy instead of James. I can't get to Robertson without doing a minus eight. Um, and I don't know if I want to lose James. Part of the reason I wildcard is I wanted to get players like Reese James in for the running. Mm. So then to remove him, my team's... Oh, I don't know, I'm going back on the reason I wildcarded. Maybe that's stubborn, but I, I mean, I could hold him a week and then still get rid of him next week if it's not looking good. Uh, I think you're making the right move. And uh, I think this game week has at least proven that we should not maybe be blinded too much by double game weeks, especially since, to be honest, it's not a very good double game week looking at the fixtures. So I think if you've got a player with that good a fixture and you're in a position where you can play him and not like me, Ben Saka. Mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, go for it. Yeah. I, th- I think maybe one regret I have from a wild card, and then I, maybe I would consider removing James, is if I didn't go for Ramsdale, then I had a bit of room to bring in. I know we don't love the Arsenal defensive fixtures this week, but then I could have had bought in an Arsenal defender, and it might then I could, probably could have justified it to myself. But, I, I mean, I can barely justify benching Jimenez, let alone doing a hit to, to bench Jimenez. So, yeah. I guess, let's let's see what let's see what happens tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that's about it, Alan. Um, I mean, it's been so nice having you on. And, here, you know, you're doing the stats breakdown live, as it were, even though it's pre-recorded. Um, but um, how, how can people find you on, on social media, etc.? Yeah, my Twitter handle is... FPL diagnosis. I think there's there might be an underscore in there, so you can find me. My DMs are open if you want to chat FPL or just uh, interact with something I do. I'm happy to chat FPL on FPL on Twitter. Perfect. Yeah, there is an underscore. Yeah, so it's FPL underscore diagnosis. I guess we've just got one more thing to say, and I'll let you go first. Up the pod. <laughs> Up the pod. Oh yeah. Um, what what is it we say? <laughs>